The Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast. Vin, Vin, I, I, I was sent this this parchment from yeah. an unknown sender, and I, I can't make a head nor tail of it. Pull it Take out. A look. Take let a me look. let me see this. See the phrase there? Oh my God! It says, "What? That's a Ted, Ted Shat." Cryptology. No, that doesn't make any sense. It's nothing says, to me. It says picky gypsy is what it says. If you unscramble the letters, picky no, gypsy. I don't, I don't think that's Proctologist? it. Proctologist? Is that what it says? Mm, uh, I don't. Soggy dog sled? Wait, unscramble these letters and it gets. Wait, it's. It's. The Trilogy Podcast, the only podcast in the world dedicated strictly to trilogies. No reboots, no straight to cables. We're bringing you facts, debate, trivia, and more to hell with the movie if they made four i'm vin and i'm scott this is what we do folks yes all right we're solving riddles to bring you this month's yes episode we did this initially in honor of mr tom hanks yes in in celebration that we we still have tom hanks he beat the 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 coronavirus coronavirus it can be done right have you guessed it yet i mean this music is actually kind of it's hurting me Scott, reveal the trilogy. Uh, it is the Robert Langdon trilogy. Based on the novels of Dan Brown, The Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons, and Inferno. So, you know, again, we started with Tom Hanks. Oh, it's perfect. Tom Hanks is alive. We got to Inferno, which neither of us had seen, right, Scott? No, no, had no idea. And it seemed to match perfectly with the hell on earth we're facing today. Yes. It mirrors, though, it's, for It sure. winds up being very relevant, this particular trilogy. Scott, this is going to be, I think, the most religious trilogy that yeah. we, we deal with until we get to the Oh God trilogy. Oh, well, yes. Which ultimately, spoiler alert, same exact trilogy. I don't want to have to jump the gun. Oh. All right? Well. Um, and you know what, Scott? I thought you'd like this trilogy as well, because it involves a lot of puzzles and solving e- different puzzles e- and things. I know you're into that. <laughs> you like solving... I do. You know, I was getting... You I, worked at Escape the Room? I did. I got a big flashback when they saw that cryptex. I'm like, oh, cryptex. Okay. All right. Now you're speaking my language. Right. Okay. There's a lot to untangle here. There's a lot yeah. of story. There's a lot of lore. A lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. There are a lot of what have yous. Yes. So Scott, let's get to the to the important things immediately. Let's dive right in. Okay, this is gonna be pretty cut and dried this time around. Yeah. Okay, there's not too much debate. So let's bring our old friend Trilogy Bot in to tell us exactly what kind of trilogy this is. No insults. No I hope not. No hullabaloo. I don't need it. He's just gonna tell us in a calm way. The Robert Langdon Trilogy is an army of one trilogy. These are very common, and show one man, kicking ass, over the course of three films. His character drives the narrative, usually as protagonist. Now, both of you, please suffocate on your masks, and die. Unbelievable. In this trying time. He takes it for granted because, as a robot, he is not affected by COVID. But Scotty's right. This is an obvious Army of One trilogy. It's a very feeble and flabby Army of One, if you will. Yeah. He's not indestructible like so many other Army of Ones that we've dealt with, but he's the driving force in all three of these films. Right. This is more um, taken 
than it is Marvel. Okay. Uh, Army of One, you know? Oh, no question about it. Yeah. Like, no. he's got a skill, but it's just not killing people. It's... Good point. He's... Ex- symbols and shit. He's definitely fallible. He's just a guy. Yeah. Which is, as crazy as it is for us to say, it's not necessarily common in our world, so it needs to be said. Right. So we're rocking another Army of One. We got so many of these, Scott. So many. You know They're what? They're popular. Let's get into these plots. Sure. This is going to oh, be... Yes. A, a, I can't imagine that this won't be extremely long and complex. Oh, my God, yes. These movies are all plot. Yes. So I know you're going to do your best. We'll try and cut through these as I'm easy as we try, can. I'm going to try, but it's going to be a lot. Let's get right to it without any bullshit. We've got a job to do. Yeah, of we course. we business of to course. do. Of course. So all just right. Get right, go right to it. So Get um, right into it. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Thank God. This is uh, my plots. What I like to do here is um, I like to uh, give you a, uh, a rundown of what happens in the movies. And Scottish! My lord. God. Uh, that was just, uh, that was 100% the duel of the fates. What's funny uh, is as you sang that, my <laughs> palms began to bleed and I experienced something. That... Oh, yeah. Scott, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Here we go. go. All right. So what I like to do with the plots, obviously, is give you kind of a bare bones, kind of dress down, no character names, just giving you the generic what happens, the ins and the outs of the movies. For those of you who haven't seen them in a while or those of you who have not seen it at all and don't really give a shit, here you go. The Da Vinci Code. 2006. In Paris, a curator from the Louvre. By the way, is that pronounced Louvre? Louvre? I've heard it pronounced many ways, uh, but I never know, so I try to say it funny every time so I can't be corrected because people just assume I'm joking. That's a good That's a good strategy. <laughs> I just know that until these the films, Louvre. I thought this shit was called the priority of Zion and not... The priory? Right. Yeah. So I was like, do I know how to say words? <laughs> Why is this trilogy already making me question how to Should pronounce things? Should I get things? checked for a stroke? Yeah, what? What? Thank you, Tom Hanks. Thanks a lot, Hanks. In Paris, a curator is murdered by an albino monk. In his dying act, the curator writes a coded message next to his own body and poses like a da Vinci painter. These people do a lot right before they're about to die. It seems like if he had just called 911, he could have lived. The police bring in a symbologist to help crack the code, but the dead curator's granddaughter shows up and tells the symbologist that the police think he killed her grandfather, and she helps distract the police while they find more clues, leading the symbologist to believe her grandfather was the head of an ancient secret society protecting the Holy Grail. One second, he's giving a lecture, and yeah. moments later, he's thrust upon this, like... <laughs> it's, it is very quick, where he's like, wait, someone's trying to... Why? Why what? is someone trying to... Well, I, uh, Go to the Louvre? I was giving a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> I talked to him, like, a week ago for 10 <laughs> minutes. Like, I don't know this guy. <laughs> uh, you get the typical, like, Indiana Jones setup of him in the classroom, and that's basically it. Like, and, you, you get know, him... And that's going to keep coming back. Indiana Jones, what yes. this character in this movie is so desperately wanting to be. They head to a bank in Zurich and open the dead curator's deposit box, finding a coded message box that will destroy the message inside if the correct word is not entered. I like that part when they're in that wacky bank. I like it. They huh? walk up and the guard is like, can I help you? And he just holds up a key and he's like, oh, great. Yeah, right in there. Like, 
You don't need like an ID or anything. This seems like a maximum security bank. And you're just like, oh, he's got a key? Right Didn't this I way. just walk into Jesus' safety deposit box? The police arrive, and the bank manager helps the symbologist and the granddaughter escape, but then quickly double crosses and tries to kill them. But the symbologist and the granddaughter escape. Until you kind of get a sense of where the Jean Reno character, where. where Jean he, Reno. Jean Reno, where. So. Thanks. Sorry. Johnny Reno. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> Thanks. Before you know where he stands, you're saying to yourself, why aren't you more affected by this graphic and bloody display in front of you? He's Opus Day, so he's very like right. invested in the he's church. He's being I manipulated. Guess, so this, yeah, we yeah. find that out later. But at the same, so he wants to press the investigation towards Langdon. Right. But it's like you know what? Maybe put on a better show for the cops around you. Even yeah. those guys have to be like, eh, but Monsieur, he's <laughs> he got a pentagram on his chest. Who did we look into this? <laughs> yeah, he wrote so many other things. Can we not? <laughs> Can Looking we not, through all of them? Should uh, we take a picture, maybe? Uh, <laughs> evidence. We, we don't have a lot going on, so uh, <laughs> we'll look into it if you want. <laughs> the two reach out to an old friend of the symbologist, who is an expert on the Holy Grail. Uh, heard that before. Yeah. His name is... Henry Jones Sr.? You know Henry Jones Sr. too? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah, many times I was like, oh, I wish I was watching The Last Crusade yeah, right now. Yeah, this movie makes you want to watch The Last Crusade. Yeah. The Holy Grail expert tells them that Mary Magdalene is the Holy Grail and not a cup. That Jesus was her baby daddy, and there's a secret society protecting their descendants, of which the granddaughter's grandfather was the most recent leader. Are you getting all this, folks? It's a little clunky. It's clunky. It's clunky and chunky. It's just chock full. Of chunks and clunks where you're just <laughs> saying to yourself, what's the information I need? What do I not need? What are you showing me? And that's the big aha moment right there. At that point, you think it's the Holy Grail as we think of the Holy Grail. Yeah. And you know, in the book, that was really the big revelation. So the book right. is wrapped around that concept. The albino monk, who is a part of another secret society who wants to destroy Magdalene's remains to keep it a secret, breaks into the Grail expert's home and tries to kill the symbologist and the granddaughter, but is foiled rather easily, and they escape to London using the Grail expert's plane. The albino monk, he's been going around taking out the Zion-like Grail keepers. Yes. The keepers of the knowledge. And I only mention that, Scott, because, frankly, his character has developed more than any other character in the movie. In trying to, uh, you know, retell the uh, events of the movie, it just, like, his stuff is not really all... Uh, in integral to the plot that's yeah, happening. Yeah, but at least he's fucking interesting. Th that's I what mean, happens though when, when, when you adapt a book. <laughs> that's that's really the, the tricky part yeah. is because in books a lot of times you can devote a whole chapter to just another character mm. and do like a whole side, like a B plot that's going true. on the entire time and that's it doesn't true. feel as weird as in a movie. I really liked that albino. I like albinos in general. Huh. In college I wrote a song about albinos that was very popular amongst... Albinos? Not, not them so much as drunk kids at parties, but... Hmm. It was about an albino on campus. Huh. I might have been bullying an albino on campus. <laughs> <laughs> they arrive at a church in London and realize they've gone to the wrong place. Doesn't this happen way too much in these movies? Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Why didn't oh, I think shit. about it for 10 seconds longer? Oh, great. Fuck. Indiana Jones never made those kinds of mistakes. <laughs> no, Army of One dudes don't make these mistakes. Yeah. He's so fallible. It's almost <laughs> like, why are you even 
doing anything yeah. here. Why did they even? Why yeah. did anyone call you? No, not that rose. This rose. Oh like, God! Why don't you take fuck? an extra fucking second before <laughs> I have to go to another city in Italy? Yeah. Airplane gas isn't cheap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a crippled old man, and you're dragging me all <laughs> over creation. <laughs> but then, the Grail expert's butler kidnaps the Grail expert. But then, we find out. <laughs> The Grail expert is behind it and wants to bring down the church. Right? I mean, we don't necessarily know that he's using like Opus Day to kill sure. off the the guardians so that he can, you know, reveal the secrets of the Grail. We don't right. we don't know that secret, but somebody is going to turn. Yeah. And in the case of these movies, it's always like the other person you trust the most. Yeah. The so. guy you really like in the movie, yeah. too. Like, as soon as Ian McKellen gets there, you're like, oh, the movie just picked up a little bit yeah. for me. No, but by the time we get to the third movie, it's like, when when's she going to turn? We know yeah. that someone big is going to flip. The Grail expert poisons his butler and sends the police to kill the albino monk to tie up loose ends. The Grail expert catches up with the symbologist and the granddaughter, and they go to Westminster Abbey to see the tomb of Isaac Newton, a former leader of the secret society. There... The Grail expert tells the symbologist to open the coded message box, but after fiddling with it, he throws it in the air, and though... <laughs> he fiddles with it. He, he does with it. fiddle with it. He throws it in the air, and though the Grail expert dives to catch it, it is destroyed. Oh, no. The police arrive and arrest the Grail expert, but... The symbologist did open the coded box before throwing it, and they follow the clue to yet another church. No one noticed that he... He, he kind of, like, turns around for a second. I mean, he turns like, around for a second, but, I mean, yeah. it's so doofy, too. He's like, oh, a fucking an apple fell on Newton's head. Apple. <laughs> like, it, that's like... I think Dan Brown takes glee in making the answer something really dumb. Yeah. So you can, like, it's one of those, like, oh, but of course, why didn't I... It's the most obvious oh, thing. No, like, all of these movies, the goal is to make we the audience feel stupid till the end yeah. hey everybody you thought one thing you were just stupid here's what was really going on hey, fuck what yourself an idiot dan brown yeah. and ron howard well to, to be fair though uh langdon never knows until the fucking end either yeah. too. Like, and it's he's not like, the expert yeah take indiana jones keep his scholarly side strip away his adventurous macho side <laughs> and there's your new hero yeah Great. it's like indiana jones if he never wears the hat yeah exactly right that is a hatless jones <laughs> that's gonna be my new movie hero hatless jones yeah but when they arrive at the church the tomb of magdalene is gone they find some documents that show that the granddaughter's grandfather was not her grandfather but her protector as she is the last descendant of christ oh please which also you saw coming a mile away. Sure, because we've seen the movie Dogma. And also... Yeah, that's all I was thinking the entire time. <laughs> and also, then she goes to the scene, she's like, what should I do? Should I tell people? And it's like, no one would believe you, idiot. Tell yeah. everyone you want. <laughs> I'm the bloodline of Jesus. I'm related to Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Do you have powers? Yeah, I was thinking that, Scott. I was like, oh, yeah? Now show us some powers. Yeah. Old grandma's like, I'm your grandmother, and I'm just still alive. That's uh, well, big whoop. You're, you know, my grandma's alive too. She's 81. It's it's possible. <laughs> Members of the secret society show up, including the granddaughter's grandmother, mm -hmm. and swear to protect the granddaughter. Symbologist goes back to Paris and realizes that the tomb has been under the Louvre. <laughs> the whole time. That's another thing with these movies. They feel like they end and then you're like, no, no. Oh, oh they're not over. Oh, no. There's always two to three false endings to every single film. You're like, oh, all right, God. it's Enough. ended. Ian is the bad guy. Done. Oh, it's ended. She's 
Jesus's <laughs> bloodline. It's right. ended. Oh, wait, we still got to find the grave. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah. He's walking mean. across the glass. I'm like, you're going to break that glass. What are you doing? <laughs> you can't walk on that I, glass. I think you're allowed to. No, you can't walk on that glass. I don't remember been to the Louvre. I think you can. How many assholes do you think kneel on that glass now like this movie, like kneeling oh, before? all the time. Now they probably have a rope around it. Like, all right, enough. The book read like nonfiction, where you're just really learning a story, another theory of, of the church. Right. And the movie is exactly the same way. It's just a guy like learning information. Yeah. We're kind of playing catch up. Scott, I want to learn some more information. The information I want to learn are the plots for the second film. Okay. And that second film is entitled Angels and Demons. 2009. A group of scientists create tubes of antimatter, and one of them is stolen immediately. <laughs> it's almost like the setup is to show how it could never be stolen, then it's stolen. <laughs> right. Look like, at all the layers of security and seriousness here. Yeah. It's gone. Meanwhile, the Pope has just died. And as the Vatican prepares to elect a new pope, the top four candidates are kidnapped by the Illuminati, who threaten to kill the kidnapped cardinals one by one and then blow up the Vatican at midnight with the stolen antimatter hidden within the city. This symbologist is brought in to help, and he says the four cardinals will be murdered on four altars related to the elements. The priest, who is in charge in the interim between popes, allows the symbologist and a female scientist who helped create the antimatter to peruse Vatican records against the wishes of the head of the Swiss Guard. Yeah, I really liked the, the Vatican Library as they showed it. Yeah. But there are like things in the background you want to know more about. You're like, what's that boat under glass? What religious <laughs> thing is that? Yeah. Is that the Ark? What yeah, like, what that? are those things back there? Uh, it's like state-of-the-art kind of shit. Finally, we get a little Langdon character here. We get a sense that he's a little bit arrogant. Love Tom Hanks could have been anyone in the first movie. At least now we're getting a little bit of character. Yeah. All right? Little, little bit, a little Thinks, cocksure, a little, yeah, exactly, little short of exactly. In the library, they find a banned book by Galileo that leads them to the first church where they find the first cardinal dead with a mouthful of dirt and the word earth branded on his chest. Oh, please. You know, this is going to be a trend of always showing up a second late. How dumb is the branding? <laughs> like, I get that, like, he says, he's like, no, that's like an Illuminati threat that they'll be branded at some point. But you're branding them with the word, the, the thing that you use yeah. to kill them? Yeah, and then and Hanks is like, holy shit. That's Illuminati. That branding is the same upside down. And yeah. that's an urban legend. Hold on. The, the typography is an yeah, urban legend? That, yes, right. He's like blown away by it. <laughs> this couldn't possibly be. The second cardinal is found with his lungs punctured and the word air branded on his chest. Yeah. The female scientist suspects the Pope was murdered by medication overdose and she and the priest in charge confirm it when they inspect the body. Meanwhile, the symbologist finds the third cardinal burning to death with fire branded on his chest. <laughs> a little redundant. You're burning him anyway. You're right. <laughs> and also, this is the one, this is the first one where he's not dead yet, right? Yeah. And this is the first time we also see the guy that's doing all this. Right. And you start to go, Illuminati, they only got one guy? Yeah. You know, like this is the one guy we've seen the entire time. And they're a little inept. Start to, you start to get some questions around you here. Know, You're all like, hold these, on a minute. All these movies, you get the sense that like all the secret societies are kind of stupid and can't really do anything well. And small. There's like four of them. <laughs> and that's it. It's not really much of a society. How do you have any power left? <laughs> it's more like a secret circle. Wow. You're killing old men it's impressive <laughs> yeah he sees the assassin who is on his way to drown another cardinal in a fountain but the symbologist intervenes and saves him 
And what's weird is they make it all dramatic where it's like he needs to grab the air tube to give it to the you know bishop yeah. to save him. <laughs> as soon as he gives it to him, a guy rushes in and pulls the bishop out of the water. Yeah, why doesn't he just pull him out of the water? Also, <laughs> it's ridiculous. they're clearly <laughs> filming the underwater scene in like a pool somewhere. That's not a fact. How deep is that fucking fountain that they're both like, I'm drowning in here. Like, that doesn't happen. It's like, you know I've what? been to Italy. The cardinal that he saves tells him they were held in a nearby castle and the symbologist and the female scientist go there and find the assassin's lair and a fifth brand meant for the priest in charge. <sighs> the assassin escapes, gets into a car provided by his employer, and explodes. <laughs> the symbologist and the female scientist find a secret path to the Vatican to warn the priest in charge, who they find being attacked by the head of the Swiss Guard and the remaining Swiss Guard kill him and another archbishop. They're really quick to just gun down another <laughs> bishop just based on the guy no going, him, problem. he did it, he, yeah. it's him. Yeah. Which, a guy yelling out. Heat of the moment. Okay. <laughs> Just heat of the moment. All right. Great plan. So far, Ewan McGregor's plan is- Going some, perfectly. Uh, amazing. <laughs> it's, it's a ridiculous plan, and somehow it's working. It's working it, No one can believe it. He, even he doesn't believe it's working. His face is like, is this really happening? <laughs> you got to be shitting me. Well, okay. I guess I'll go to the next <laughs> I, I idiotic about part. That. The symbologist finds a key in the hand of the head of the Swiss guard. They then find the antimatter five minutes before detonation with no way to stop it. Oh, no. The priest in charge takes the bomb and jumps in a helicopter and flies it high into the sky and then parachutes out as the bomb detonates. I guess they mentioned in the he past. He was a pilot at some point, right? right? So yeah. He's set up this entire wild goose chase with the elements and the cardinals all as a red herring. Right. All to distract from his plan. Right. Hey, idiots, you were just watching two hours of something that meant nothing. Right. Not divine, not important, not like historic or ancient. Yep. Just some bullshitty distraction. I will say, though, it's extremely effective in the movie to make you think Ewan McGregor is on the level. Like, as soon as he does that heroic act, you're like, well, he can't possibly have planned. That's in my head. Because like, it's so ludicrous. Right. The priest in charge is seen as a hero, and they want to make him pope. The symbologist and the female scientist use the key they took from the dead head of the Swiss guard and find he kept video surveillance of the Pope. They find footage of the head of the Swiss Guard confronting the priest in charge, who is behind the whole thing. The Pope wanted to publicly present the antimatter as proof of divine power, but the priest in charge considered it blasphemy and wanted to be Pope himself. Meanwhile, Tom Hanks isn't even in the, in the climax of this movie. He's right. showing a video. He looked down and saw a key and picked it up. It wasn't like he decoded the key Meanwhile, or had to hack the computer. They plug the key in and it's instantly what they need to see. It's yep. like the, the videos of like that time. Yeah. The priest in charge is exposed, sets himself on fire, and the cardinal who the symbologist saved becomes Pope. Well, Obi-Wan, now you know what it feels like to burn mm. alive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The tables are turned now, Obi-Wan. Who, who has the high ground now, yes. bitch? Ha, ha, ha. All right. So this is another tedious one of just... Oh, it went on forever. I wrote less notes for this movie uh, when we get into it. And it's probably because uh, I uh, I dipped out for a little bit. I, I, I fell asleep for a, for a hot minute. I caught myself up on what was going on. But I might have missed. I, it could have been anywhere from five to 20 minutes. All right. So that's let's, the second one. Yeah. And let's we'll jump right in and wrap this up. Yeah, let's do it, uh, brother. With the, the third installment many years later, mm. uh, Inferno. 2016. 
the symbologist wakes in a hospital in Florence with no memory of the past two days and is having weird visions. The doctor, who is with the symbologist, tells him he was grazed in the head by a bullet. An Italian policewoman arrives and tries to kill the symbologist, but the doctor helps him escape. All of this cool so far. Yeah. I thought. For once, I liked not knowing what was going on right yeah. at the beginning. Because there was a good reason for it, like because the ca- the main character doesn't know either. Yep, interesting. You know, I, I didn't feel I didn't feel outsmarted by him too early. Back at the doctor's apartment, while looking through the symbologist's personal belongings, they find a mini projector that shows a Botticelli painting of hell. And meanwhile, she's really annoying at this point because she's like, "Why are people shooting at you?" Blah blah blah. It's like, listen, lady, you know more than I do. Right. You seem to be in control of the hospital. Suddenly, you're gonna catch an attitude with me. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck is going on. And I am you. You're lucky I'm completely trusting you right now because I don't know what the fuck's happening. Well, I guess we later find out. We later find out things, but our misunderstanding of this entire film occurs through the whole movie. Right. So we have to take it from what we perceive at the time, not what was revealed to us two hours into it. And at that point, too, it's funny because like her character, I don't trust her at all. You never really do. From the beginning. Yeah. This is the first clue in a series of clues from a psychotic billionaire who recently committed suicide and designed a disease that will be released automatically and will kill half the world's population. Didn't we just do this shit? And wasn't it called the Avengers somehow destroying <laughs> half of everyone on All Earth in the could, world? There's there's a couple of similar ones, like I'm saying. But I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm with Thanos. I, I thought of he's, Thanos immediately. He's like, if Thanos was a televangelist. Basically, but this is perfect because again, this since this movie matches our current contagion, our current thing. Yeah, we have the same idiotic conspiracy theorists now that they're like, "Oh, they don't want you to know this. They don't want you to know that." I'm watching this movie. I'm like, Zoberist yeah. is this guy? Yeah, it's perfect. The symbologist and the doctor are forced to flee when World Health Organization agents, led by an old flame of the symbologist, raid the doctor's apartment. Meanwhile. A shadowy corporation who employs the Italian policewoman want the symbologist dead. While searching for clues, the symbologist finds unbeknownst to him that he and a friend stole the death mask of Dante that leads them to the next clue. They then meet a man who says he works with the World Health Organization and that he originally contacted the symbologist. He also tells them that the symbologist's old flame is trying to sell the virus to the highest bidder. We know this is bullshit. Yeah. I mean, it takes Hank's only five minutes himself to be like, yeah, he's full of shit. The symbologist regains his memory and realizes the man is not who he says he is, and they flee. The symbologist realizes the virus is in Istanbul, and the doctor double-crosses the symbologist, revealing that she was fucking the psycho billionaire and is trying to find the virus to ensure that it releases. The symbologist is captured by the man from earlier, but is saved by the head of the shadowy company, who reveals he staged the symbologist's hospital visit and injected him with a serum that would induce memory loss and hallucinations, but now is working with the World Health Organization. So that's crazy revelation too. You find out the girl is really working with Zobrist, and now these guys have set up the whole beginning of the movie. Right, like they're the fucking company from the game. Like fucking putting shit, oh, we put that there for you. Oh, that car was put there by us. But there's a a huge- You didn't really kill that person. There's a huge flaw behind all of this. They're like, we went through all these mechanizations. We drugged you, made you think you were shot. 
put you in the hospital, all this just to get you emotionally invested in the story so you would you right. would get involved. Bitch, the other two movies, you had to do nothing. You simply asked him for help and he got involved. Yeah. He he just gets it. That's what he does. Right. Ask him for help. Yeah. Just explain what's going on. So if I'm if I'm understanding the movie correctly, these clues are all for her. Her. Initially they're using the cop, the Italian woman cop, right. to get Langdon on board, right? To get right. to set up this whole thing in But emotion. I guess they see she's in the way, Felicity Jones. So I think once they figure out what he's up to with the play. But I thought that is that's that is what they're investigating, is the clues he left for her. Right, because I think they they didn't know what he was up to. The virus is in a plastic bag under a church in Istanbul, and the doctor wants to activate it by using explosives. The symbologist, his old flame, and the head of the shadowy company rush to stop them. The head of the shadowy company is killed by the doctor, who then blows herself up in an attempt to activate the virus. Ham-fisted climax. But it doesn't work, because they put the bag in a box. Ah. The symbologist then returns that mask from earlier. You really just get to nuts and bolts at the end there, huh? Yep. <laughs> get in, get out. <laughs> right. Well, well, that's Inferno for you. Yeah, it w certainly was an Inferno. It was an Inferno. A towering Inferno. Yeah. Everyone's worst case scenario now. I know I mentioned earlier that, like, you know, in terms of one-man army, this is more Taken than Marvel. But uh, there was, I thought it was, was kind of interesting. The only time I really thought of Taken is this third movie. Because in the third movie, if you remember in Taken, he's sort of on the run the whole time. Yeah, it, right. It's, it's a whole different kind of different setup dynamic, that yeah. he's used to. Whereas this is like a different opening to the same setup. Okay. The third movie, he gets to play scared, which is more than he's really been playing. Yeah. It's it's weird. And Tom it's, Hanks does scared pretty well. You know, like, whether he's Captain Phillips or whether he's... Uh, Castaway, he does scared pretty well. Yeah, it's believable. He's an everyman. That's the thing. Yes, he's an everyman. You know what? And that may be why he can't play this exceptional man because he's an everyman. You know, like it's it's kind of out of mm. his wheelhouse. That's a really a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. I actually read that uh, Ron Howard's first choice was Bill Paxton to play that part. You know, I could see that. He's a little corn pone, though. Yeah, yeah. He's got some charm, though, or, or did. Look, we're talking about the the movies and the characters, so we should probably jump into unraveling that shit. The now. information. No one really calls it that. Scott, this trilogy is based upon one of the most successful book series of all time. Dan Brown wrote... Uh, first Angels and Demons, then The Da Vinci Code, and then a couple of years later, after another book in between, Inferno. Da Vinci Code was a gigantic, blew up to 80 million, and then people went back and checked out Angels and Demons, and that propelled his fame. One of the big differences is that the movie has a different order, okay? So the movie's right. order is Da Vinci Code happened first, Angels and Demons, and then Inferno, to the point where they actually referenced the Da Vinci Code in Angels and Demons. Right. I read the first two. I read Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons, and they read very much like the movies. They're almost non-fiction-y. But no matter how unfilmable they may have been, when a, when a book sells 80 million copies, you you're getting a movie. movie. Yeah, you gotta. Right? It's tough adaptations like that, you know? But we see it a lot in our trilogy world, my friend. It's true. Okay? Because Shaft. Shaft is the first thing you thought of? It's based on a book. 
Yeah, I might have thought of, I don't know, Lord of the Rings first, Scott. Uh, sure, I guess. <laughs> I probably would have eventually. Of the ones we've covered, though. I kind of made a small list of a lot of the trilogies that are based upon books. Okay. And a similar trend occurs where a lot of these trilogies are based on books that you wouldn't think would make good movies. Right. For example, The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, these are dense books. So that's really to Peter Jackson's credit, right? Fifty Shades of Grey is famously poorly written. People criticize the Godfather is a book. I disagree. I think it's a great book, but it certainly has its detractors. That's the world we're coming from. People really give Dan Brown a lot of shit because they say he wasn't a good novelist. Yeah. But a lot of these popular books aren't necessarily beautifully written pieces of art. Yeah. You know? I, but some of the biggest films of all time were books. Psycho, Jaws, you know, sure. like tons of movies. Of course they were. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That's, right. That's a trilogy. It's a Narnia, you know? Yeah. We just did Bridget Jones, for God's sake. You're right. Jurassic Park. Take a look. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. In addition to Dan Brown being no great shakes as an author, the other big criticism, though, and we got to mention it somewhere here, too, uh-huh. is that these were controversial. Right. Boy, the, both the Catholic Church and historians dumped all over this, especially the Da Vinci Code in particular. According to the author, Christ is not divine. He's a regular person. The plot has ruffled many feathers and not just Catholic ones. It presents uh, some elements of the Catholic Church as criminals, uh, but also as stupid criminals i just think it's worth mentioning scott because it also bled over into the film all right, right. a couple of yeah. years later when the film came out there were protests certain countries didn't want to show it they wanted to throw disclaimers on it right but really uh, the first movie made a ton of money did very well and then each successive movie though profitable made less money people were kind of less into it as time went on sure um and the protests fell off too by the time we get to the third movie honestly no one cares no, I mean, it's hard to, like, they're just kind of boring. If you're going to dare to teach us in a film and make it feel like a nonfiction, make it feel like a documentary sometimes, yeah, you better engage me too. Seriously. Because this could be the flip side of like a Charlton Heston teaches us the Bible or a Kirk Cameron, one of those evangelistic movies he makes where the movie is just a setup to teach us a lesson. It really could be that way. Hello, I'm Charlton Heston. I'm... Delighted to be here to introduce this program about the notorious cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Are these the only Robert Langdon books? These three? No, there are two others. Okay. Okay, I read another one called The Lost Symbol, which actually happens before Inferno. I think initially they were going to do it and decided to skip it because it's very much in the same vein as Angels and Demons. Mm. It involves the Masons and ah. running around at churches and things. National Treasure actually dealt with the Masons too, so, so maybe they that could have something to do with their it. thunder a little bit. Right. And the other one is called Origin, which I haven't read. I don't know anything about mm. The other two people that we have to talk about with respect to the cast and crew, Ron Howard and Tom Hanks. Right. Okay, because honestly, Tom is the only guy that's in all three movies. But it starts with the director, Ron Howard, who directed all three films. You know, I thought that Ron Howard had kind of fallen off. You don't really hear from him too much anymore. We heard a little bit from him when Solo, when he came on yeah, to do Solo. Right. But before that, you hadn't really heard from him. But then when I looked at his uh, his stuff, Scott, it's kind of interesting. Ron Howard, who we know started as an actor... Opie from The Andy Griffith Show and Richie Cunningham from Happy Days. Of course. Okay, a real goober, a real good guy, which I kind of think is the way I see him in real life, too. When he's interviewed as a director, he seems like a happy kind of guy. It's cool, Fonz. I'll handle these clowns. But look, I was looking at just Ron Howard's stuff, and I thought it was it was coolest to put his career into decades. Maybe you tell me which one you like the most, all right? Okay. 
it starts in the 80s and you've got Splash, Great. Cocoon, Gung Ho, Willow, Parenthood. All strong films. Parenthood All is good. a classic. All good. Splash, I love. Splash, yeah. I love. Willow, I watched a lot as a kid. And this gives you an idea of his, Gung -ho, I watched his relationship with Tom Hanks early on. Early yeah. on in Splash, of course. Right, right. All right. Then you got him in the 90s. How about Backdraft, The Paper, mm. Apollo 13. Good one. Ransom and Grinch. Mm. All right. So yeah, the, some, I remember the Grinch was kind of like a weird movie for him at the time. Was, but I, I don't love the Grinch, but I really think bad, the paper is an underrated movie, a really cool movie yeah, about the newspaper that. business. Really good, actually. Yeah. But I'm a big Michael Keaton fan. He's working with huge actors, too. He's working with Tom Hanks. He's working with uh, Mel Gibson. He's working with Jim Carrey in this decade. Right. All yeah. right. He's an A-list he's he's a a -list director. All right. I, I would still consider him A-list today, too. Okay. You know? Then we get to the 2000s, Scott, where he actually was nominated for an Academy award twice and won one starting of course with beautiful mind yep. won the academy award for His best big one yep then you've got cinderella man mm. frost nixon nomination was very good and then these films put it throw in these films into that period of time yeah all right so this guy is really working hardcore up till 2010 like really regularly working yeah and then recently in the last 10 years not so much it's arrested development Scott, we could talk about Tom Hanks forever and ever. But I thought instead of that, I'd give you a little bit of info about him when we just talk about our favorite Tom Hanks movies. Sure. Um, um, he started on TV with Bosom Buddies. Mm-hmm. Okay. With uh, Peter Scolari. And I, I have to mention this. He did a super funny TV movie around this time called Mazes and Monsters, which is about like when Dungeons and Dragons became popular and people thought it was like made yeah. people into Satan worshipers and made them evil. <laughs> That's what it, it's like a, a cautionary tale about getting too involved with these types of games. And he's like a victim of it. I think, yeah. he's, I think, I think the movie ends with him like on a, on a building and he's about to jump. I have spells. I'm going to fly. You don't have enough points. I am the maze controller and I have absolute authority in this game. 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 TJ, what am I doing here? Kate, why can't I remember? I also think we should mention before we get into his films that as a producer, him and his wife, Rita Wilson. Yes, who also had the COVID. They're responsible for the popularity of My Big Fat Greek Wedding. They discovered right. Nia Vardalis, who, and you know, they're the only ones, boy, pumping life into that old corpse, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, talk about a one-hit wonder that yeah. will only be a one-hit wonder. Everything after that, they keep producing her, they keep funding her, and she keeps just kind of bombing just enough already meanwhile i mean enough already with your culture but the other tom hanks uh produced projects are usually pretty good that well, that thing you do and also band of brothers is produced by tom that's hanks. true he did produce band of brothers he directed that thing you do and larry crown all right scott larry uh, crown can you name the six movies that tom hanks has been nominated for an academy award for sure go uh philadelphia winner forrest gump winner uh saving private ryan Yes. I'm drawing a blank here now. Big Castaway. Castaway. Okay. And that's... Just this year, uh, Mr. Rogers, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Whatever the fuck that's called. Yeah. But the guy's done some iconic films. Scott, why don't you give me some of your top Tom Hanks films? Well, I mean, Big is one of my faves. All right. Uh, Saving Private Ryan's great. 
I like The Green Mile. Great movie. It's a great movie. Mm -hmm. And then in recent years, I will say, uh, I don't think he gets enough credit for that Mary Poppins movie they made, uh, Saving Mr. Banks. He, play, oh, he okay. plays Disney in it. Oh, all right. And he's a great Disney. You liked him in that. Yeah. And I thought he would, like, when they said he, when they cast him as Disney when they're making the movie, I was like, that's fucking perfect casting. Okay. As opposed to he plays Mr. Rogers and you're like, mm. he's playing Mr. Rogers? Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, you know, I always really liked uh, Turner and Hooch. Okay, all right. That's I'll throw really, that in there. I can't believe you'd pick that one. All right, not bad. Those are pretty good. Well, I'm hoping maybe I pick some of the ones you didn't pick. So you'll we'll... All of them. Okay, great. All right, good. My top five Hankses are Splash. Splash is great. I like all right. Splash. And you know what? Until John Candy died, they could have become an amazing comedic team because between Splash and the Volunteers... Great movies. Right. Yeah. I forgot about Volunteers. Yeah. All right. A League of Their Own. Oh, yes. Of course. I like The Terminal a whole lot. Yeah. Um, Gump and probably Big for me. Big time Hollywood liberal. Big time good guy in Hollywood. Beloved by everyone. Loves typewriters. You will get ink on your fingers. Deal with it. All right. So, yeah. Those are your backbones of this trilogy, my friend. Dan Brown, Ron Howard, and Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. We'll get into the other actors as we go, but I think we're ready now to... Do our little bullet points, right, for each film, Scotty? Yes, yeah. get into our, our detailed notes. The Da Vinci Code. Demons, omens, codes, monks. Da Vinci. I have a couple of uh, uh, off-the-top technical issues. I, I watched this on Stars, so beforehand they let you know there's going to be brief nudity in the movie. And I just wanted to comment that obviously, if you know anything about <laughs> that rating, right. that means you're seeing a man's ass. So you knew you were going to see yeah. some man ass going into this bad boy. Right. Oh, yeah. And boy, did we ever. Ah. Um, Paul Bettany's ass. Yes. While he's flagellating himself. Trilogy superstar. Yes. Played Vision in Captain America. As far as I'm concerned, that's America's ass. Yeah. And you have that scene of him in the uh, lecture slash book signing, whatever. And there's the weird thing of what do we, what does everyone think? Th that's not how lectures work. You don't have people just scream out, hatred, racism, evil. Like, In the first movie, that weird, like, a highlighter vision they show him having, he's seeing all the letters, and they show, he's like... He's like, I'm kind of good at anagrams. Yeah, like, okay, I'm okay. good at puzzles, too, dude. Like, I can... Yeah. I, I love crossword puzzles. What's your point? Like, I don't... The way this movie strains to make puzzle solving and anagrams seem suspenseful, the music swells, and he's yeah. doing a combination lock. <laughs> what? As he's putting the last piece in the thousand-piece puzzle. Oh, like. God. Now I see the entire... The entire picture of the Seriously. swelling in the background. You're like, holy shit, anagrams. What's next? Palindromes? Acronyms? <laughs> what other word puzzles will wow. fucking blow my mind? As I was going to St. Dives, I met a man with seven wives. Every wife had seven sacks. Every sack has seven cats. Every cat has seven kittens. Kittens, cats, sacks, and wives. How many were going to St. Dives? My phone number is 555 and the answer. Call me in 30 seconds or die. In this one, they kind of introduce this idea that, that he's claustrophobic. Yep. Flat out says, I don't like tight spaces or whatever later. Yep. And then it's gone. You're exactly right. <laughs> I feel like that was a really a forced characteristic given to him in this first movie. Yeah. Like Indy and the Snakes almost. But then they ignore it. Right. I can count 10 times through this movie where he's in tight spaces and there's not How many scared. times is he in a car? Houston, we have a problem. Trilogy superstar Alfred Molina. Always a pleasure to see that guy. Who was uh, Dr. Octopus. In, in the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. Yes. 
Um, I tell you what, though, in my opinion, in this movie, he's really hamming it up. He's really over emoting. And you're like, all right, Melina. Take it easy, Alfred. And meanwhile, he's, I believe, the only actor that was also in an Indiana Jones film, Raiders of the Lost Ark, his first film. No time to argue. Throw me the idol. I throw you the whip. Give me the whip. Adios, senor. They go to the bank, and the bank guy, played by um, Jorgen Porchnow. Trilogy superstar, Jorgen Be- Beverly Hills Cop, and John Carpenter, director's yes. trilogy as well. He betrays them, of course, because everyone's betraying everyone. And then the yeah. bullet's jammed in the door, and Porchnow can't close it all the way, and that gives Hanks enough time to, like, smash the door into his face. Yeah. Did he accidentally kick the bullet in there? Or he's deliberately sticking it in there, right? It seems like he knows what he's doing, but how could he ever anticipate that that would be what would happen? It's like all these minor things. Later on, when the stupid butler turns on everyone, it's like a bird that distracts him and Langdon is able to get away. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's always some nonsense. Pretty bird. Yeah, can you say pretty bird? Pretty bird. Yes, pretty bird. Polly want a cracker? There's a scene she's talking about, like, how her grandfather raised her and how he uh, gave her cryptexes when she was a child. And Tom Hanks is like, uh, my father gave me a wagon. <laughs> and the first thing I thought was, and then my brother flew away in it. It's time, Bobby. Bobby, you gotta go. You'll miss your launch window. You gotta go. I do know an expert in the grail. His name is... Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. Now, he's a trilogy superstar, of course. course. Big time. We're talking three other trilogies, Scott. Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit. And Wolverine. Yeah, yes. All right, so he's deep up in this. He's like, look, before I tell the guy that every major police organization is on our trail, ask him about the Grail. He loves talking about the Grail. (laughs) It's like he just showed up to start the movie. It was already happening, and you were like, what's going on? And then he was like, I'm here. Don't worry. But I also like when he first gets there uh, to go into uh, Ian McKellen's house, he makes him answer those three questions, which are, of course, ridiculous and total opinion. But like, it's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, it it's is. literally that. It's like, I'm like did they, do, they did that on purpose, right? It you had, had to, to be. Ask me that questions, Bridgekeeper. I'm not afraid. But the whole point is well, for, your favorite for Ian to make you feel stupid. So he's like, see? Oh. Oh, the the Last Supper. You thought you knew that painting? Yeah. You didn't know it at all. Whoopsie, what happens when I just move this person oh. over here? Oh, shit. Oh. Well, you're a fucking idiot, This whole you? time you thought that was a man, that's a woman. <laughs> oh, they're dressed the same. You never saw that before. This is going to blow your mind. <laughs> and guess what? The way they're sitting is in the shape of what? A fucking cop. It's a cop. Notice how Jesus and Mary are clothed. Mirror images of each other. Ian McKellen talking and talking. He starts telling, he's like, and then there was a young Jew named Jesus. And I was waiting for like, all right, I, I think I've heard this one. I don't think we need to tell us this story, old man. Give me a shot of like Tom Hanks rolling his eyes. I like at one point too, he's showing her that stupid Da Vinci painting, fucking around with it. And she's like, you know, just because Da Vinci painted it doesn't make it true. And I was waiting for go, oh shit, you're right. I've been looking for puzzles that weren't there. <laughs> I wasted my life. But Aquaman, you cannot marry a woman without gills. You're from two different worlds. Oh, I've wasted my life. At one point when he's like, oh, I can help you escape. 
I have a plane. Me always trying to insert comedy bits into these movies. Uh, a plan or a plane? Well, I have a plan, and that plan is my plane, and that plane <laughs> is my plan. <laughs> You're an asshole. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but it's funny you should say that. Because as you know, I do the exact same thing. <laughs> Later on, when they go to that church, Langdon's looking around, he's like, symbols from everything. Jewish. Egyptian. <laughs> Christian. And I had him going... Peanuts, that's Charlie Brown. <laughs> Wait a second, is that a Muppet? This is, is that anime on the wall? That's the bat signal. <laughs> Wait a second, is that a family circus? Circa 1989? Is that little Jeffy? I asked him to bring Granddad down from heaven for Christmas. Jeffy, Santa can't do that. So this was a big part of the movie that really, really ticked me off. He's looking at the writing. They see that scroll and he's like, it's backwards. Give me a mirror. Are you fucking kidding me? You were doing like the highlighter eyes, picking out words in like, like you were magic before, but you can't read backwards. <laughs> Come on. It's really not that fucking hard. <laughs> Seriously, I'm you know all you, about letters, dude, but you don't know what they look like. His skills backwards. are terrible in this movie. He they has no, no skills. Everyone's got to explain something to him in this yeah. film. <laughs> the kid on the bus has to explain the internet to him so yeah. he can get like a like a Wikipedia quote. Yeah, like this is a phone. It opens like this. Where's your problem, mate? It's a basic linguistic coincidence. So your keywords keep coming up with the writings of some bloke named Alexander Pope. Hey, Pope. Your grandfather was a genius. There's a line at one point where Tom Hanks finds something. Ah, oh, that's it. I got to get to a library fast. You're, you're talking about action heroes who have like catchphrases for years and years. And this guy's catchphrase is essentially, I got to get to a library. Never before in the history of motion pictures has there been a screen presence so commanding, so powerful, so deadly. He's Conan, the librarian. What could the password be? Every time I saw them <laughs> looking at some password, I wanted to be like, try password. <laughs> <laughs> These movies would have something like that, where at the end he was like, you know, it was password all along. Dude, that is really not far from yeah. Apple. The Seriously. password was Langdon. Try big boobs with a Z. That's the password we're in. We have to go on, Scott. Let's move on Angels and Demons. He exposed one of the greatest cover-ups in human history. But what terrifying discovery would make the Vatican turn to him? That's Illuminati. Trilogy superstar Ewan McGregor. Always a pleasure to see that guy. Of course, he's from the Star Wars prequel. Yes. Obi-Wan. We liked him in that, you know? He'll be reprising the role of Obi-Wan in a Disney Plus series. That's soon. what I'm hearing. Well, I hope it doesn't take too long. We also get trilogy superstar Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, you're just knocking him down. Look yeah. at you. Always good to see Stellan Skarsgård. He's all over yes. the world of Infinity Wars. The Thor movies. I will mention, too, uh, Stellan Skarsgård was in Chernobyl, the uh, miniseries. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was. Englishman playing Russians successfully. Yes. Skarsgård, he has this furious burn on Langdon. He goes, my church helps people. What does yours do? Oh, that's right. You don't have one. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's all right. Jeez, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. All right, all right. Yeah. I, uh, Sorry, I don't have faith. I don't okay, know. Hey, I'm helping you, asshole. <laughs> I didn't come yeah. here to be insulted. You know, I wrote. Little... I just wrote down, sick burn, man. <laughs> you got him good. <laughs> you got him good. Made him look like a schmuck. You don't believe in things, dumbass. <laughs> I'm religious. You're not. 
What? <laughs> Sick burn. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, he got excommunicated. Whoa, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Sick burn. But Robert Langdon's skill is escaping from places because he knows like the back way because of history. Yeah. So he is good at breaking <laughs> through the floor and escaping out the back way. He does it like seven times. So he'd, all be, these. he'd be great at like Ikea. You know, he'd be <laughs> finding little side alleys that you can cut through and get through the store quick. I've never had bigger arguments with Amy than our <laughs> visits to Ikea together. Ikea provokes a rage in me. Oh, and everybody, I think. I don't understand why. <laughs> it feels like you're being coaxed into a prison. Like it's all dressed up nice and it seems like you could just sit down and stay forever and... And they have like Swedish meatballs, which are like, <laughs> like honestly, like a step above gruel, you know, but like some, for some reason, they're delicious. Before you know it, you look down and you're wearing a blue shirt and khakis. And you're <laughs> just like, oh you. shit, I work here. <laughs> Uh, so the conclave votes they do like an early vote and obviously they're not going to get a candidate or whatever <laughs> but he's counting the votes he's like one for this person one for this other person and he immediately goes they're all going to vote for themselves yeah. like it's been two votes finish, I, finish the vote right if you okay. were halfway through the voting i'd be like all right now you can probably guess that <laughs> everybody's voting for themselves maybe even four or five right. into it if you vote for me all of your wildest dreams will come true so during that one part, Scott, they're like, what direction is the dove facing? And the camera pans around. The dove is facing a Starbucks, for God's sake. What <laughs> is something in the Starbucks? The dove knows what's, what's up. In the basement of the Starbucks, <laughs> there's a latte that Jesus drank. And then they find the priest, uh, the one who's on fire. He didn't just kill him. He just had him hanging there. But I love they keep trying to bring him down. And it, like, it seems like the situation just keeps getting worse. Like, <laughs> just imagine him You're slamming right. into the, like, the right. pole, they knock falling him down. into the fire. They knock him down. Now he's more engulfed in flames. Like, stop yeah. it. Help me. Help me. You're making yeah. it worse. Shoot the chain. Shoot the... <laughs> and they're just shooting him. Help me. I I'm still alive, only I'm very badly burned. Can someone call an ambulance? I get quite a lot of pain. Oh, hi. Good. I'm glad you found me. Listen, I'm very badly burned, so if you could just... You shot me. You shot me right in the arm! Why did when Ewan McGregor grabs the bomb and runs into the helicopter and, and starts flying, the, immediately my first thought was, I'll take it to the moon. <laughs> like, where the fuck are you going with that? Also, I just kept waiting for like, like after the bomb goes off, they're like, you just blew up heaven. You're, you're cracking up, Scott. You made it so much worse. I thought the end was really cool, though, with that smoke thing where when Ewan dies, correct colored smoke that indicates a new pope has been elected right. comes out. Yeah, it's like a good little touch at the end. White smoke thing. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty slick. Smoking. All right, Scott. We trudge along through this fantasy world of Tom Hanks. Inferno. It's Dante's Inferno. Dante defined our modern conception of hell 700 years ago. But these circles of hell have been rearranged. Why Dante? Why this map of hell? Dante. Dante's death mask. Yes. We've got to get to Florence. What can you tell me about Felicity Jones? Uh, she was in Rogue One. She plays Jin Erso. Oh, okay. Uh, who's like the main character, the daughter of Galen Erso, who designed the Death Star. Another Star Wars connection. I also have her in Spider-Man 2. 
Not the Raimi Spider-Man, the, the more other, recent the, the Spider-Man, Spider the amazing Spider-Man, mm. I believe. Shriek received an Academy Award nomination for The Theory of Everything as uh, Hawking's wife. Right. She also played RBG. What? Sorry. When did she play RBG? Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She played her in... Really? On the Basis of Sex, I believe oh, the movie right. is called. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was like young R RGB. I keep wanting to... RBG. Like, we, we, we stop already? God damn it. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Okay. I, I... Also known as the Notorious RBG. I just had so many things. I just want to read a list of things I thought at the beginning of the movie that all ended up being true. Good. She's not a doctor. You didn't think that was true? <laughs> right off the bat. Like, she's not a doctor. Okay. He's got to be drugged. Right. Okay. Uh, oh, that might have been it. But, yeah. And then the possible daughter wasn't uh, correct. You're a fucking sleuth. I had two. I had two. You're a fucking sleuth, Scott. Wow, I never... Uh, two things more than you got. Yes, you got more than I got, Scott. I like the evil guys on the ship. The consortium had an evil ship where they're... Oh, yeah. And that guy was a highlight for me of this entire trilogy. That evil guy, uh, Earth from Khan. Do you know his name? Khan? The character was like Sims or something. I think he's the head of the, the organization. head of the organization. Yeah, I think he was in Jurassic World. Oh, he's a trilogy superstar, dude. Yeah. We're looking at Amazing Spider-Man he was in. Jurassic World, Life of Pi, Slumdog Millionaire. Big oh, time, okay. big yeah, time yeah. Indian actor. Dude, he died a month ago. Oh, yeah. Okay. Remember? Oh, God, yeah. Yep. But he was really cool. I liked his very business-like approach to some evil, evil shit. Just matter of fact. No, he was good. I liked him. We have created our own hell on Earth. Oh, my. If you're watching this, it means the Inferno virus was released last night at midnight and is now being carried to every corner of the Earth. The World Health Organization has people who kick down doors? Remember, they don't. But remember... <laughs> but they have their own investigation department that would do this? Is Fauci the kind of guy you think is kicking in a door right now because... Absolutely not. ...you didn't cover with a mask? No way. Stern you know. lecture, perhaps. You know, it's my job. This is the life I've chosen, and I'm doing it. They get to the museum because they have to look at the art that he had seen the night before. Yeah, with yeah. The pregnant lady. They get there, and everyone chases them there. Then they go into the museum and have plenty of time to talk to people in the museum. They're walking around the museum doing research. Yeah. Follow them into the museum. Get them. Uh, it doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. They're talking yeah. to the pregnant lady. They're having a grand old time. He's staring at the painting. Yeah. Come on. I uh, just made this note that uh, at one point, they, I believe they go to Bobley Gardens, which uh, made me think of Bobley Pizza. Haven't had it in a while. Very good. Yeah, nor have I. They still make it? I think they do. I well, see it sometimes in the store. Okay, okay. Never think to get it, though. Well, now you will. I know how kids are around mealtime. Uncle Vittorio, can we have something different for dinner? Take out the bobbly. Right, Mama. Bobbly Italian bread shell. Oh, so then you have the, the moment where he considers that perhaps he has the virus in yeah. him. And that was a little close to home. That was a little meta mm, for me. Yeah. The, what if... I've got it. Like, you did have it, Tom Hanks. Well, his arm was a little itchy. <laughs> that was all, yeah. You know. I got a bit of a rash. Yeah. It's getting, like, grayscale. The infection has spread too far. You should have cut off your arm the moment you were touched. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, the coolest part in this movie is when they're in the museum and they're pursued by the female cop. And she falls through the ceiling and is just devastated. You know, for a some main character at that point, for some reason, it didn't even recur to me that she was dead after falling that what? distance. Of course, she would be, but like it just happened Dude, in like the movie. Know, and then they mentioned that she she died or Dude, like that. She do you know why her. it didn't occur to you? Because she's very reminiscent of 
the Terminator. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So yeah, yeah Italian Terminator. That. Yeah, il Terminator. <laughs> it's a cognate. You're right, Scott. Hello, you've reached Arnold's Pizza Shop. I'm out here now, and out killing pepperoni. Scott, you must have been delighted that um, a Mickey Mouse watch was featured prominently in this film. I was not, and I'll tell you why. What? Tell me, you love Disney. It's not about Mickey Mouse. The point is that it's so random. Yeah, well, then they showed it in the second movie too. I don't remember seeing it. Yeah, it might have been part of the 10 minutes you fell asleep. I actually was just thinking about this uh, after watching the movie. On this watch, there is a setting for uh, a Mickey Mouse. Oh, no shit. On here. They also give you a Minnie Mouse. All right, Scott, let's... Seriously. Oh, boy. After we finally get the real story, and him and his ex-girlfriend are on their way to Istanbul. Right. Okay? How can I possibly care about their past love life at this point who gives a shit i don't know her uh, we don't know her at all as the audience we don't like give a am fuck. i supposed to be impressed that the that the hallucination he's had of this woman this entire time was actually her and it's not it's, it's not it's, meaningful it doesn't it, mean anything. you're right it's not meaningful that's yeah. right exactly like she's like oh you remember this thing he's like i never forget anything she just forgot the past two days though what do you mean you never forget anything the whole plot of the movie is about how you forgot things just as a movie line i never forget anything is a really bold statement because we want to forget the first two films sometimes it just means uh, forget about it i want to go to that awesome underground concert where they're playing amidst the red bloody yeah, that water was pretty cool right yeah but that's ahead. all very like half-assed they throw that climax together people are just seeing each other they're fighting yes it's all very quick the indian guy is stabbing people we get extra characters who are helping her all of a sudden there's like another guy who runs in who we've never seen before fight involves tom hanks just fighting a henchman a random a random guy in the water just a henchman exactly i guarantee day of they were like there's not enough people fighting in the scene and then when they finally see the poison it's suspended in like a bag like the kind of bag you get when you win a goldfish at the carnival like an extra yeah. big plastic bag. it looks like shit it's ridiculous like this is the sophisticated organization we staged the fact that you were shot we did all this but we put the virus <laughs> in a freezer bag yeah and tom hanks is caught in a dry cleaning bag <laughs> can someone help him no no one can help tom hanks what's going on here I, you know, I did, I did like that mask bit at the end. It's kind of funny. Oh, returning the mask. Yeah, when he returns the mask. He's like, what are you talking about? The mask is right back there. Yeah. What are you talking about? Uh, I was just there. I was just there. <laughs> I'm not on to me. The mask is back, everybody. Yeah. Like he's the Italian version of fucking Costello. You're <laughs> yeah. like, what are you trying to tell me? I was just in there. Ignore in there. the last man to see it that told us it was a back. Ignore him. Let's go crazy. <laughs> And in that final climax, Scott, also, she's supposed to activate the bombs before she does them herself and kind of blows herself up yeah. with a cell phone. She, she doesn't have good reception. I thought, no oh, that was checked, great. No one checked the <laughs> cell phone reception down in the crypt. So it just go, oh, right. I'm underground. Yeah. Duh. Why didn't Never I think thought of this of before? That. Yeah. And maybe I shouldn't have used the one thing I can't use <laughs> underground as the... You stupid asshole. You didn't so, even think so of it's that. Almost, she's like, uh, I guess I gotta go shake the C4 really hard. Well, action heroes don't get beat up as much as Robert Langdon. Sometimes they do. Well, on occasion, but then they always come back and cold cock somebody. And can I not have a 
fist fight on the wing of a Come roaring on. airplane or something. So that's basically the Robert Langdon trilogy. Yeah. Boy, it was a slog, man. Really some dull, boring shit. Yeah. Speaking of dull and boring. Phil. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I felt bad for him. I spoke to him on the phone the other day, and this quarantine thing has really got him down. It's a bit of a mind fuck, I'll, I'll tell you. No, no question, yeah. no question. So we thought we'd send him a little uh, care package. And you love these kinds of puzzles and things. Yes, so, so you... I thought I'd send him uh, something related to the Da Vinci Code. Innocuous, right? Yeah, perfect. Sure. Hey, folks, Phil here, your at-home correspondent for the Trilogy Podcast. I've just received a package from the fellas relating to the Robert Langdon Trilogy. And I've been assured that whatever it is will definitely take my mind off of quarantine. Let's take a look. Oh, what is this? Seems to be some sort of puzzle box with letter wheels for entering a password of some kind. Ooh, there's instructions with it. If inside this box you want to see, then answer me these questions three. Oh, seems fun. Okay. Question one. Who is the black private dick who's a sex machine to all the chicks? Easy. S-H-A-F-T. Ooh, it opened. It's another smaller puzzle box. Okay, on to question two. What is your favorite Star Wars character? Come on, guys. Give me a hard one here. D-E-N-G-A-R. Yep, that did it. And here is an even smaller puzzle box. One more question. Where was your very first field piece? Hmm, that's a good one. That would have to be the very first episode of the podcast, so it was related to the Back to the Future trilogy in some way. Ah, yes, I was sent to find the fictional town of Hill Valley. Ah, yes, yes, that's it. Let's see what's inside, and it's a note. Beware the albino monk. Albino monk? Do you mock me? Albino monk? You know it's sister. You... Ah! I am the messenger of God. Why, Paul Bentley? Why? Breath you take is a sin. Godspeed, Phil. Oh, Godspeed. Scott, let's finish up and go home. I'm already home, so I want you to just go home. Great, no problem. Okay, so for me, this was an unsuccessful trilogy, basically because it was just unentertaining, boring. Yeah. All right? Yeah. All right, so it's unsuccessful for me, and this is an extremely rare one. I'm going in reverse order, three, two, one really i think they finally kind of started to get the character right and made a more entertaining movie in the third one mm. at least it shook up that rubric of who langdon is and had been up until that point right it still sucked yeah but it didn't seem to just go on and on just driving with talk and talk and talk the way the others did huh. so yeah the really rare three two one interesting well i'll agree with you and say that i i also believe it's unsuccessful trilogy i wanted to like it because tom hanks is in it and it's just it's just so disappointing that he isn't able to bring the level of the movie up because right. i think he's great it, it, like you say it seems to me like you know the better version of this is the book just go read the book like right. why are we the why does the movie exist you know so i'm gonna actually go with a, a pretty common 
Uh, okay. One, three, two, I think. Really? One? I feel like the, well, I mean, you know, it's our introduction to the character. It's not a great introduction, uh. but I do feel like, you know, you have the Ian McKellen is is very good. Mm, I, yeah. I like I like the cameo characters they bring in for each one. I'm a he character guy. He was good. No, he was good in that. In McKellen's that. good. He's a good foil. I liked him end up being the bad guy and stuff. So I thought that was good. And I thought the first one had like the better story. I don't know if it was told in the best way, but I thought the story was better. But it could have gone either way. It could have easily gone a three one two on yeah. this or something. Because yeah. I just think two was just too convoluted for its own good. I don't think it was necessarily bad. I like you McGregor and everything. But I thought the third one was much more interesting with the beginning right. that we've got him out of his element. Though we had uh, a different order, I think our differences, though, are minor with respect to these. Yeah. It's just little things here and there. And it's I think a, a yeah, lot of our point. experiences are colored by the fact that I had already read the books and you hadn't. And that's right. That definitely would have changed how I saw these movies. Definitely. So. Yeah. All right. Whew. We did it. Quarantine episode. Folks, always a pleasure to bring you a new trilogy. Of course. We try and mix it up. We... We'll take it to the 70s and 80s, but then we'll bring you something that's a little more... Yeah, you know, we did uh, travel around again this time. We've been our world travels. Yeah, we found ourselves in Europe this time around. Istanbul. Yes, indeed. So make sure to follow us on Instagram. I really try and keep us up to date with really funny jokes and humor every single day based upon our most recent trilogy. I really try and keep it fresh. I'm really proud of it. So check us out on Insta. And I do the uh, the Twitter, and uh, we uh, like to put up... Some fun polls there related to our current trilogy, so check it out. Interact with us there. But you should know this already. This isn't the first time you've listened to our podcast. No, it's no. like your fifth or sixth time. You know we always end it this way, so why aren't you telling your friends? Why? Why? You know what, Scott? It's almost like a mystery. It is like a mystery. Like a like a coded message wrapped in a mystery, wrapped in an enigma. I have to go to the bathroom so bad. Wrapped in bacon. I gotta go. Okay. So take me back to Constantinople No, you can't go back to Constantinople Been a long time gone, Constantinople Why did Constantinople get the works? That's nobody's business but the Turks Istanbul